You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 41 for September, uh, crap, September, what is it? 10th? We're going to go with the 10th? Oh, wait, or is it? No, it'll be September 8th, isn't it? It will be September 8th because we are yep. so professional. Uh, 2008, <laughs> I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vangelist. And you know what? If you have questions or comments, you know how to get a hold of us. You can either email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up the phone and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-2450. Wow. That was the only professional part about it so far. Well, yeah. So anyways. <laughs> a great way to come back, right? <laughs> That's come- absolutely. We are completely on the ball, and uh, we're ready to roll. So, <laughs> well, Yeah, I mean, I looked at the calendar, and in my head, I was thinking we took a month off. And I looked at the, the iTunes feed, and I saw that our last show was uh, in August. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That wasn't a show. That was me coming on and being like, we're not going to be back for a while. Um, and then I realized the actual last show was in uh, July, or I think around the 14th. So we are looking at coming off of a two-month break. Wow. Holy cow. I've never had that long. Even when I was in, like, in college and we take the whole <laughs> summer off, I still never got that kind of vacation. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I was like, okay, two months. Wow, we really, really need to get something out and, and get back on the schedule. Because, I mean, it was good because it was the busiest time of the year, at least for me. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, we really needed to do it. But time to get back into it. Time to get back on the saddle and ride that horse into the sunset. That's right. You know, the fall is just around the corner. And I think for a lot of us, well, of course, except for you garage woodworkers who are now probably starting to bundle everything up, getting ready for the cold season. A lot of us are starting to head to that point where the kids are back in school. So it's time to start making things. It's almost like shop classes re- re-energized. We're all set to go. So Yeah, this, you know is, what? this it, is the fun part. Yes, exactly. I love this because it's like, oh, it's freezing out. I could shovel the driveway or I could go make a bench. (laughs) Yeah, the transitional seasons are fantastic for woodworking. In Arizona, um, you know, we kind of have the reverse situation. Once the summer's over, that's when everybody starts to come out and the doors open and windows open. So I'm really looking forward to a break from the constant heat and uh, can focus on just having some fun with the videos and building stuff, which brings us into a status report. Um, Project-wise, what's been going on and what have you done with the past two months? Oh, I have pretty much rearranged the shop two or three times. Nice, um, let's nice. See, I moved from another. No, I, I had a chance to uh, kind of get a, a whole bunch of little things out of the way. Really, I think in the past, you know, what the past couple of months, I've been spending more time on trying to focus in on some techniques and get things kind of situated because it's you know how once in a while there's like you'll either have a tool that you've been looking at for a while, you bought it because you were just you know oh, I'm going to do so much with this thing. I've got so many ideas for it. And then it just sits there. Right, right. You're intimidated by it or whatever else. So I've been kind of doing that. I've been playing around with a few tools, one of them being a spoke shave, which hmm. um, I, I, I already mentioned on the show. I'm going to be building my daughter Madison a, a bedside table, and I want to play around with the legs. I want to do something other than just my usual traditional shaker style, just straight leg, which I love it, but I, I want to do something a little bit different. So sure. kind of get some compound angles in there. And uh, um, I was working with uh, uh, my low angle spoke, spoke shave, spoke shave, and, and and it turns out that um, I've got a ways to go because I've had this thing for a couple of years, and I was uh, making a cut, and I was pushing it away from me. I'm like, oh, it's a downside 
strain and pushed and apparently I didn't have it locked in place enough. The blade popped out. And for those of you who saw one of the last episodes where I had this big bandage on my thumb, um, that's what it was from. It took a nick right out of my thumb. And I'm like, oh, my God. The family came running downstairs. What's wrong? I'm like, I'm getting blood all over the workbench. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, and the worst thing about it was it wasn't even the sharp edge that got me. It was the backside of the blade, and it was just it must have been I just pushed so hard that thing just popped right out and just took a nice little nick right out of my thumb. So wow, needless to say, put it down. I walked away, and uh, um, I, luckily I didn't have to have stitches or anything. But I now have this great little like blood mark on my thumb so it's pretty nifty (laughs) you know that's funny every time i grab my uh japanese chisels and i want to do sort of a very controlled pairing cut with it i hold it in my like on top of my uh index finger the inside of my index finger and put my thumb on the top just to kind of guide it and my right hand pushes forward well i never learn i never learn that i i will cut myself on the side of the chisel every time so i get these little they're not really bad cuts they're just these little slices uh, near the uh-huh. part of my finger where the finger bends and of course that's like the most painful place to get one because you're constantly flexing it uh, but yeah you know what the sides of these tools and the backs of these blades are pretty damn sharp too <laughs> so <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because you know, it's always the same fingers or the same hand that always gets cut. Because we have the one that supports and the one that pushes, and it's the one that supports that I'm sure probably by the end of my life, this thumb will probably be either a little bit shorter or skinnier than the it'll other just, one. It'll just be a bone hanging out right. there. <laughs> there won't be any <laughs> skin left. Because I, I did something similar to that when I took that class last uh, fall with uh, Chris Schwartz, and it was funny because they just came by and they said something about, Matt, the way you're holding that, that chisel – just want to let you know, you know, uh, his assistant, John, had just cut himself like a week before or something. I'm like, oh, thanks for the warning. I'm all set here. And they literally no sooner walked away, probably 30 seconds later. Oh, son of a... <laughs> oh, <laughs> exactly man. what they said. <laughs> that is just... That's terrible. So, yeah. But other than that... um like I said, I've been just trying to work on a few techniques and, and you know, the usual sharpening, getting things ready cool. uh, and just kind of getting some projects together. And I, I'm ready for the fall. I've got myself hibernated with a whole bunch of projects that I want to work on. And, yeah, I'm ready. So You got your fat so what, stored up for the winter? Oh, well, for the winter. I carry it all year round. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's an excuse to eat bad. I'm storing up fat for the winter. Doesn't everybody yep. do that? There's uh, all these candy wrappers down here. Daddy's just getting energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, of course we're still. I'm still doing the gadget station at this point, and it's. Uh, um, we're really I finally got over the hump. I think uh, every every project. I don't know. Tell me if this is something that happens with you, especially a project that that has some challenges in it that you haven't really worked out all the details yet. It's kind of like I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Uh, but that becomes a almost, it feels at first like an insurmountable hump that you need to get over and you just don't see the project from, you know, uh, you don't see the finish line yet. And it's a very sort of, uh, uncontrolled feeling and, and it kind of makes me tense a lot if I don't have that sight of the final end goal. And it's the fact that I've, I've put so many things in front that need to be worked down as I go. So I sort of refer to it as, as the hump. you got to get over that hump. And then from there, everything is just smooth sailing to the end of the project. So I finally uh, got over that hump. And I think a large part of that was uh, the hinges, which I, I resolved in, in the last episode. Everyone can see what type of hinges I went with. And also now, uh, yesterday, I spent about 30 minutes just kind of with my head on the on the assembly table 
<laughs> with my forehead down just thinking because I needed to to visualize in my head how the back was going to work because it's not a typical uh, you know just do a groove all the way around and put a panel in there this back is is actually a functional part of the box and thinking all that through just I, I just didn't want to make any mistakes so it took way right. too much time to think about it but I, I finally feel like I'm over the hump and now I can just kind of proceed downhill film it get it done and i'm hoping within the next two weeks we'll we'll be seeing a completion nice you know i, I know exactly what you're talking about with that hump because i i, I hit it and it's so funny because i'll do these things where i'm like i'm someplace and like, like give me a pen what do you need a pen for i need a pen because I, I still got an idea i know how <laughs> i'm gonna do that i know it's gonna make it go faster yeah and then it but by the time you get home and you actually look at it you're like no that's not gonna work but yeah there's there is that there's that that point where you're just like if i, if I can get past this Everything else is gravy. Yeah, so well, that's... you know, the thing is when you're when you're at that point and you see the hill and you you gotta wonder how different people respond to that to that sort of challenge. And some people are like, Well, I can't do this or this because it's just gonna take too long, or I can't do that because it's beyond my skill level, uh, or you're just impatient and you wanna just move on to the next part. And and a lot of times I think uh, a lot of folks really look at the end goal to get it finished. That's like the ultimate uh, reward for doing all that work is just getting that project done, even if that means getting it done a little bit, le- you know, at a, at a stage where it's like a little bit less quality than it might have otherwise been if you took your time. So I think it's interesting to see how different people might handle that hump. You know, do you do you right. give into it or do you say, yeah, I realize this is an uphill struggle right now, but I'm going to take my time because I want this to be absolutely perfect or as good as it possibly can be. Right, you know, to, to some degree, that's I almost related as the do I pocket hole that or do I mortise and tenon that? Mm-hmm. Both are excellent. Both work in certain situations, but there are times that I really don't want to spend all that extra time on a mortise and tenon because if I've been if I've been working on this project for so long, I'm at that point that right now I don't give a rip about this project anymore. <laughs> I just want to be done. So maybe I might choose the other one, but then I always think to myself. Oh, is this going to be like one of those hangover things where like the next yeah. morning I'm like, man, I wish I had made that decision. Totally. So, <laughs> but, and, I, and the thing is for me, it's really psychological at this point because my actual time with the project, the hours that I've been working on the project is pretty minimal. But the hours that I've been talking about it and putting videos out about it and discussing it uh, in the forum and in the, the comment section of the site makes me feel like I've been working on this project a lot longer than I actually have. So um, yeah. I've kind of got that working <laughs> against me too. But you know what? I, th- I'm, I think we all go through it, so it's just kind of cool to, to to recognize it and realize that that's just one of those things we're going to have to deal with. Yeah, especially you know, as a lot of homewood workers, I mean, let's get serious. How many hours can you actually devote to a project? I mean, a lot of us, it's like maybe a, you know, only a few hours here and there. If you're lucky, maybe a few on a weekend. So yeah. we really understand dragging out that thing. I know you understand it. I understand it, and I hate being there. Yeah, and when you <laughs> when you've got a spouse breathing down your neck, you know, who wants to see some uh, something produced out of that shop that you spent all that money on <laughs> you, you better get something out of the shop oh, yes the norm abram effect uh what do you mean it can't be built in three minutes yeah well, totally uh, well uh <laughs> let's uh see what's shaking around the web you found right. two two great blogs and well one of them is a video um and the other is a fantastic blog that uh i was aware of the first one in fact i think it he's a part of the uh the wood whisper network directory we have them listed in there but um you put these links there so t- why don't you tell me why you put them there and uh who these people are okay well the first one is working wood blog and this is uh tom Fidgen, and this is just one of those this caught my eye and i can't remember i think i 
Aethers found it at the Woodward Spirit Network, or or I think I saw it on the Woodworking uh, Magazine blog. But I, this guy just amazes me with some of these projects that he builds because it sounds like he has kind of a smaller shop where he's doing a lot of hand tool work. And I, I the guy has dreadlocks, so <laughs> that really caught my feel. But he just he really builds some beautiful stuff, and the way that he describes these projects in his blog really kind of pulls you into it. And there's been times that I'm just like, I'll, I'll be reading it, and I'm suddenly like, you know what? I'm taking a half day off from work because I want to go home and start working on something because they're just so amazing. And you know, and some of the a couple of the projects that he's followed through on that he's been working on, like right now, I think he has a, a walnut like console or something that he's building. I'm trying to bring up the site right now. Um, just they're really absolutely beautiful for so for anybody that's interested in kind of following a blog again another uh, professional woodworker who's really kind of he's doing a great job of mixing mainly hand tools right now yeah but really kind of walking through the whole process of designing it and everything else well one thing i really like is when when um bloggers take it you know they, they take it to a different level uh in terms of the artistry of their blog in and of itself is a part of their craft um, you could see with the quality of the photographs is is just really nice. I mean, he does a great job of presenting it. Uh, it's pretty to look at and gives you that feeling, which I absolutely love when blogs make you feel like you're reading a magazine article. Right. You know? Yeah, and, absolutely. And I think he does a tremendous job with the photography and different perspectives. And it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty blog. I think he's doing a fantastic job. So um, highly recommend checking that out. I really like his thought process through it, too. So it just, yeah, it does pull you in there and, and really, like I said, well thought out. For sure. Cool. The other one I found, and I have to admit, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and, and watch the majority of these episodes. He has 13 of them out right now. I think he just finished it up or he's in the process of finishing it up. And it's the, the Luther cast or the Luthier. It's basically for those of you who have ever asked, are we going to do anything about like building instruments, mm-hmm. building guitars, other stuff? This is a great one because he goes through, and I do believe... Like, Oh great! I lost the link to the uh, the site. It's on my, my my computer here. But he's building a I think it's a, a Fender guitar from a kit, and he's pu- putting this whole thing together. And he goes right from the very beginning. I think like choosing the woods and everything else, right up to the finished product. So for those of you who want to watch somebody building an instrument, a guitar, definitely check this uh, this this website out. Looks one of the show notes or the links in the show notes and everything. And it's available on iTunes also. Um, Luther L L U T H I E R cast. Uh, definitely check it out. It's it's a really neat one, and uh, I hope he's going to do more. It'd be really neat to see him maybe follow through on a couple other projects. Yeah, just to get I mean, it probably the same you know focus and everything as you're going through the same steps. But it's just neat watching something like this evolve. It's yeah, definitely. Really awesome. Yeah, he's got the. Looks like his last episode was August sixth, and I went into iTunes, and I don't, I didn't check, but the last time I did a, a search just for woodworking in iTunes. Um, I didn't see it, but I think he's listed under the music category. Okay, I can and, see that. And that might be why it's it's a little bit harder to find him. So hopefully, you know, maybe we'll just shoot him an email and see if he can't add uh, hobbies, games and hobbies as one of his uh, categories, because that will certainly help his exposure. But um, I checked out his first three episodes last night when I saw that you put this link in there and was very impressed. I mean, I love... Uh, what was that? Handmade Music was a show on DIY a little bit ago that they... Um, I don't know, they just seem to keep rerunning the same shows, but um, they had some really good uh, episodes on there on on building guitars and things, and uh, I am absolutely fascinated with uh, instrument making, and I think luthiers are incredible craftsmen, so this is a really fun thing to watch, especially since it's, it's, you know, what we all love, and that's just uh, some dude in his garage with a camera, you know, who just happens to be doing some really cool stuff. 
Right. You know, my, my, I have a couple of friends that are like, hey, would you ever think about building a guitar? I'd be like, hey, I would, but I think I'm tone deaf, so I wouldn't know if I built it bad or good. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't play, you, you just got to have somebody who knows what a good guitar, you know, what kind of tone sounds right. Uh, right. Otherwise, it's all just guesswork. Um, you know, I did put one thing in here that I found uh, the other day. It looks like it was recently uh, released. Is on Fine Woodworking's website. And let me see if I can bring it up real quick and see if it's still on the front page. It was yesterday. They've introduced a sort of, I don't think I've seen this before, but it's its basically a video, a specific video player dedicated to a single project. And it's broken up into about 10 parts. It's a building an upholstered chair. And the Flash player, you know, is built into the page. And you just kind of rip through all the different uh, episodes and the summaries underneath change for each one. And it's, um, it's really good. I watched it, uh, from beginning to end and they, it's very thorough going through the whole process. Uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good for web content. I like it a lot. Nice. So yeah, we'll, definitely. We'll put that link there so that you guys can check it out. Sweet. I'll have to head over there and check it out right now and take a look at it. Fortunately, I let my fine woodworking, um, uh, the online, you know, for subscriptions uh, lack. So maybe this will be a good reason to head over there, take a look at this. And oh, maybe, uh, yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about that. Is it under their um, subscription system? Uh, it doesn't look like it because I brought it up and I can see it right now. So I think we're okay with that for a freebie. But, you know, but uh, I definitely, I, I need to take care of the rest of it because I love reading the articles and the other things on there because it helps me with content for the show. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, actually, I just logged out and it's still showing up for me. So this is not... Something that is paid, which is cool. Um, Sweet, yeah. All right, so news. Obviously, there was a, a big woodworking show recently that I was uh, lucky enough to attend, IWF in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. it looks like um, you've got some things listed here, different products that were there. We'll talk about those a little bit later, some of the things that I saw. But um, okay. tell us what you found out here in terms of the uh, the Final Cup Blade, because um, I am, I'm kind of interested in that. I didn't get too deep into it because the last time we talked about it, but essentially it sounds like they, they what they've made one now for the table saw because before I think it was pretty much uh, the miter saw, uh, right? Yeah, the miter saw, uh-huh. which makes a lot of sense because if you're making the cut, you want the end grains to be all set. So when you have your miters all set to go, you don't have to worry about it. But uh, it looks like they made one for the table saw. So this is really going to be kind of interesting to see, you know, um, who's going to pick it up, what people think about it. Because I think it was Glenn Huey that, wasn't he the one that mentioned yeah. it at uh, Op Woodworking that they had this out? And yep. It's a really neat idea. Now, the, the basic idea, if you don't know what the final cut saw blade is, is they have a saw blade that has sandpaper. It's on, it's on both sides, if I remember right, or at least one side for sure. So as you make the cut and you're, you're ripping it, you're cross-cutting it or whatever, it has sandpaper on it, so it's going to finish it for you. So essentially you're like knocking two steps out of the way at once. So it's a really neat idea, kind of a time saver. But the question is, what is it really going to do for you in the end? Is it going to slow you down? Is it really going to speed up your work? Um, can you change the sandpaper? Could you make one yourself? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think about because as a standard table saw cut, I can't see where it's going to help me very much because most no. of the time, you know, the end grain is either going to go into some sort of joinery and probably flushed later with the rest of the piece. Typically your, you know, the end grain butts up with some sort of a face grain and you've got to sand it flush anyway. So I think the thing is because it's such an interesting concept, I almost can't even imagine where it would come in handy, but I, I have this, this feeling that it will. And I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how it would work out other than things like cutting miters. You know, if you're making a mitered frame, uh, having them nice and smooth sanded is going to mean that you'll get a better bond and, and hopefully a better fit. So I actually ordered one. 
Um, it was like 75 bucks, and I'm like, you know what? I just got to order it, throw it in a table saw, and you see what happens. Uh, you know, one thing I'm wondering is if uh, I have to read up a little bit. Do they recommend keeping it on for everything? You know, even um, rip cuts. So could you get, let's say, a perfect glue line rip off of this thing? Right. That, that's a very good question. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm just really anxious to see how it holds up, to see if it's something that you know, that the average person would really give a crap about, um, you know, most of the time, like I said, if my end grain is perfectly sanded right off the table, so I'm not sure what advantage that's going to impart to me for most of the things that I do, but I'm not going to know until it's in my shop. Right. You know, and I'm, I'm over at the, uh, the blog where I originally saw this with the Glenn Hewitt dimensions on here that one of the questions that came up was, could you just get the sanding discs themselves and put them on another manufacturer's saw blade? And according to this, it sounds like the manufacturer said, yes, you could. But, of course, they'd prefer that you don't, you don't, that you put the two together because they were designed to work together. So, yeah. you know, that, that's another you know, question there because it does so that you can get replacements for the disc because, obviously, the sandpaper is going to wear out. And you're absolutely right. I'm wondering what the end result is with those cuts. You know, so that'll be, that'll be nice to find out about it, especially maybe if you ran it too fast. Could you burnish it too much to the point where the glue doesn't really want to stick? Although, yeah, yeah. I don't think we have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm, I'm curious. I mean, if you do ripping a lot with it, uh, how how long is it going to last? And I know they what did they say? There's a, a a number that they put out how long the sandpaper will last in uh, linear yeah. linear feet of like five eighths inch plywood or something like that. Um, right. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it is, but it's it's significant. But it's you know again it is sandpaper, so it's going to wear out. But um, I'm just I'm very interested. So I'll I'll definitely let everybody know. You know I'm not much of a, a reviewer, but I will let everybody know what my experience is and. You know, maybe you can utilize that information. Right, sweet. No, definitely. Let somebody else mess up. I mean, uh, use it, and then we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me let me screw up and, uh, and tell you all about it. Um, right. All right. No, well, another, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, the other thing I was going to say was uh, Mana. If we're not the refrigerator, but the uh, the router bits <laughs> apparently has a new interchangeable cutter system. And I, I saw this uh, uh, mentioned again at, at Popular Woodworking, along with a, a new Lonnie Bird um, timbre set. In case anybody's ever made timbres for like a rolling desk, uh, hmm. they have a new one that looks a little bit like uh, a you're making wooden kind of like uh, Legos is what it really kind of looks like. But it's a neat system, anyways. Okay. But the, the Amanda one, what's unique about this is it's an interchangeable cutter system. Now this is nothing new. I think we've seen this before, where essentially you have a, a uh, the cutter profile itself, and you can take that off of essentially what you get is like a, a base shape for the uh, it has the shank and then the, the base cutter shape itself and then you have a couple of hex nut hex nuts that lock the cutter into place mm-hmm. so it makes it just that much easier rather than having to worry about you know resharpening the whole blade it almost sounds like you know what you know, the, the blade starts to go a little dull on you just simply undo the hex nut pop the thing out get a brand new one and so it's kind of interesting to see if anybody's had experience with this, what they think about it, I, I'm a little, I don't know, I, I guess there's that part of me that's kind of like, what if I don't tighten that hex nut down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weak wrists. I might not be able to tighten that enough. How long do they really last? I yeah. almost have that, that control thing where I like the idea of being able to sharpen it myself, even though I might not do it the right way. 
but at the same time, being able to get a fresh uh, face on there might be something that's really neat to do. So yeah, it's definitely something, something interesting. <laughs> yeah, anytime I see like a, a bearing on a uh, like a rabbiting bit with different size bearings and things like that, I always get just nervous about it because it's like you get it right out of the box, and some people might take it for granted that that is already tightened, you know. And I'm like, ah, maybe I'll just get a little hex key and try and tighten that myself just to make sure it's a a good idea to make sure that stuff is tight. But you're right, when that bit is spinning so fast, if you know the the cutters themselves uh, could, at, you know, and even if it's a freak thing, could become dislodged. Like it's a little bit scary, but um, I imagine the manufacturers thought about that. And when it's tightened sure. down, and I'm sure it's very safe. <laughs> yeah, just if here's a great idea: when you start it up, just step away from the machine for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, just put a steel shield or a whole, you know a suit of armor on before you turn it on, just in case. Right, <laughs> or an apprentice with a uh, waiver form that says that you won't sue. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Nice. So what, what is this? You saw something about Steel City's uh, lunchbox planer? Yeah, they. Uh, I guess Steel City is now introducing a spiral head lunchbox planer. Now we are all familiar with spiral heads, or we probably are, have heard about them. I know mm-hmm. we get a lot of questions here at the show about. I'm looking at a jointer and it has the spiral head or the traditional four cut blades. What, what one would you recommend? So now Steel City, I guess, is getting into the game with a spiral head lunchbox planer. And, of course, we all know one of the big benefits of these spiral head cutters is the fact that rather than having the full-length blade, we have these smaller interchangeable ones. So one dulls on you, one nicks or something, mm-hmm. you just simply you know, unplug the machine and you can adjust it, which is a huge benefit. It's awesome. Question. Yeah, it is. But the one question is, like, is it really worth the, the extra cost? And I think a lot of people are one way or the other. As always, I'm a fence sitter. And it depends on how much money I have, whether I can afford to do it or not. <laughs> but it's it's kind of a neat idea that they're bringing. And from what it sounds like, I, I'm not so sure, but I don't think the price is that much different. Let's see here. Uh, I expect to pay about 750 The same planer with the regular straight knife cutter head. Excuse me. It's it's 440 So obviously there is a price difference. Yeah, it pretty much is. But again, maybe if you're working with a lot of uh, like figured wood, another, this is another one that they say the spiral head cutters are excellent for. Um so, you know, it's another option out there for everybody. And it sounds to me, again, like one of those they're trying to bring more innovation for the, the home people with a smaller shop or something. Mm-hmm. So, something something neat. And of course, you know, we always hear about how the Steel City guys are, you know, just always breaking the rules. So Right, yeah. Well, it's pretty cool that they did it in a lunchbox style. Normally, you don't see that until you're up to your 15-inch uh, um, system. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Right, Definitely. Cool. So, and one other thing that I had to note, and I don't know how many people are familiar with this, is the RU RAS. Uh, in fact, I, I had to double check to make sure I was pronouncing that correctly. Are you? Look, yeah. Are Are you pronouncing that correctly? I am. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, RU is a world famous rasp maker, and I only know they're world famous because they say that in all their literature. Well, yes, but they've been around for a long time. They're an Italian company, and the the rasps they make are handmade. And it just the the neat thing about it is these are like they're they're one of the best rasps that are out there. But the problem is the manufacturer ran into a labor dispute. Now I'm not going to go into who was right or wrong or whatever. But the manufacturer went so far as to you know what you're going to have a dispute. Forget it. We're shutting the place down. So they closed the mm. whole thing down. And the market now is like there, there's no none of them available. In fact, I think I saw something about somebody had saw a uh, RU rasp on eBay selling for like almost like six hundred eight hundred dollars because they're that in demand. 
Well, Jeez. they're back, and they're going to be available here in North America, supposedly, I think this fall or maybe early next year. Mm-hmm. And I understand that Michael Aryu is going to be appearing at the Woodworking in America conference. So anybody that's heading there uh, can meet with him and maybe ask, you know, well, um, why are these so great? Or maybe get a chance to play with them. So oh, cool. for anybody that's looking for a great rasp. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So Matt had a little... I think, do you have some food in your mouth? Are you eating now? Is that what that, that problem is? You know what it was? <laughs> Was ice chips? It's really hot here today. <laughs> <laughs> must be it. Must be it. So yeah. Bottom line: good rasps. Cool that they're back in business. That's that's very neat. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Definitely. 100%. Okay. Now we got our a uh, couple of hot deals here. Um, if you don't mind, I'll take the first one. Go for it. Okay. This is a. Um, this is from what is this? Is another peach tree e direct dealy whacker. Fifty uh, percent mm-hmm. off router table starter package. Um, I think. I think I put this there. I think it's yeah. still active too. I better check this. Sometimes I put these things in there weeks ahead of time. I'll put the link in. If it's not, I'll, I'll make the correction in the show notes. But fifty percent off router table starter package. Catalog price is at two thirty nine, and the Edirex special offer is for one nineteen ninety nine. So if you're looking to get a, a basic router table and you're building your own uh, cabinet for it, that that's a pretty good way to get started um, and not really break the bank. Yeah, absolutely. No, I gotta write that down. I need a new one to be honest with you. Cool. Or I'll check the show notes. I guess I'd probably be check the, the show way. notes, Matt. They're always in the show notes. And I probably won't mess up the address that way too. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, one I found just recently, and I think this is in the uh, Wood Woodcraft Flyer, so I didn't have to search too far for this. Mm-hmm. Is the Betsy Tradesman bar clamps? Apparently, it's you can buy two, you get the third free. Now these are the smaller ones, though. I think they're only like about like four inches or something, with like a, a two inch in reach or something. Uh-huh. But still, a bunch of these having laying around for small projects or just you know the occasional clamping up a one and a half inch thick boards or something. Man, you're all set with these. So you know what? Sometimes those smaller ones are the most used clamps in my shop. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. come in handy. I mean, if you got a, a a good collection, maybe six of them or something, it's it's very handy to have around. Heck yeah, I mean, you, you, you buy just four of them and you get two of them free, so you're going to be all set there. So buy two, get the third free, and cool. uh, definitely you'll fill up your your uh, clamp rack pretty quick. Fantastic. All right, well, a couple of topics we wanted to cover. Um, we're going to look at spoke shaves a little bit later. Uh, Matt's going to give us a little uh, review on the basics of spoke shaves. And before we do that, let's talk a little bit about IWF, uh, in case you haven't had enough coverage from... Uh, all the major magazines and uh, even the blogs getting involved. And, of course, we put out our little video. So uh, we'll just quickly review it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, just talk about the more interesting stuff. Um, okay. Now, some of the things that I saw there, and, again, you'll see these things repeated on some other sites. First of all, I think the the biggest splash came from, it's probably a toss-up, either Delta's new Unisol or DeWalt's uh, Plunge plunge uh, Traxol, uh, the Festool... Right. Um, competitor right um yeah did you did you see all the stuff about those and if so does either one of those intrigue you and do you give a crap um i they intrigued <laughs> me at first but then i pretty much said yeah that's nice yeah <laughs> you know the, i think it's really neat about delta coming back to the states for those of us here in the states it is a huge thing and it says quite a bit at least I like to think it says quite a bit about you know what we could do, but I think it says more about the fact that they don't want to uh, price themselves out of the market. Mm-hmm. But I think you know some of the stuff they have on there is is pretty neat. Um, but other than that, it still is something I don't know if it's going to be in my shop right away. Unless Delta is listening, in which case uh, my address is. <laughs> they're going right now. They're going. You know what? We got to send that Vanderlust guy a new saw. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Stack. Everybody should be. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it looked good. I mean, uh, the review that we had was great. The guy that uh, uh, presented the information, I think his name was Tom, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not good with names. Uh, but it, it looked pretty impressive. There were a nice, there were a lot of sensitivities to uh, what the average woodworker might want. You know, like having a little drawer uh, under the extension wing. Now, if you like building your own storage unit under there you're probably going to have to remove the drawer but it's nice just to have that right off the bat you know you just got it there for you um, storage of the miter gauge storage of the fence things like that are just a really nice uh, little creature comforts uh, to have there Um, you know the redesign i'm i'm not sure that i like the look of it anymore right i don't know why there's just something about it the the double uh, knobs in the front it's a nice functional thing to have them up front like that but the the little speedometer on it you know i almost think that's it was, was it really necessary is, is the question you know and, and well does something have to be necessary to do it probably not but um it just looks i don't know there's just something about it it's not an attractive saw but that's very very steeped in opinion so <laughs> take that for what well, it's worth the one thing I, I worried about with, and this is for my own, is the the two knobs in the front. I'm always thinking, I always know if I have to reach to the side, specifically what that one does. And, you know, the fact that I, I saw the, the one in front raises and lowered the one on the side, that's for, you know, my, my angle. I know me, no matter which one, I'm going to walk down, and I don't care how many times I use the damn saw, I'm going to look at it and go, left. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then that speedometer thing. I'm almost wondering if that's just like one of those. We're trying to be really high tech. We're going to show you all this stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what it reminds me of. But then again, you look at something like Powermatic's new uh, monster bandsaw that they have, and you see some of the same things on there. For instance, the brake on the bandsaw, it looks like something off of a, a hot rod car. Uh, it's got that like chrome with the little black circles in it, and the handles on it are all real shiny chrome. So um, you've got the PM Custom people who are making custom table saws uh, painted to look exactly the way you want it. And I think, I would guess, that this is just part of their strategy, and it seems to be common, is to make these things a little bit more flashy and make them, I guess, to, uh, to attract a certain buyer, maybe. I don't know. Right. I don't think... Or, of, or attract more buyers, because there's something like, you know... Remember back when Grandpa used to talk about woodworking? You had to make your own miter gauge holder. <laughs> Nowadays, I don't yeah. have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, the bottom line is they're doing, who knows, maybe they ran out of, of new uh, ideas and things to include, so they have to come up with things that are just not really necessary, but nice little creature comforts. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's yeah, something, I, I, something I, I, different. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and on top of it, my... My table saw will always look better than yours. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. The Dewalt uh, track saw. I don't know. It's a little early to say anything about it. You, you know, I get information from both sides. I, I know in our forum, some people listed some advantages of the Dewalt system, and then uh, of course I, I know some of the disadvantages and advantages of the Festool system as well. Um, it's very interesting to me because it seems like they're pricing it uh, a little bit more than the Festool uh, system. And I'm just wondering I'm wondering how that's going to pan out in the long run. Oh, that's really kind of interesting. Because to me, that, that one thing with the, the DeWalt versus Festool thing, I think my, my biggest thing with that is just like one of those, wow, could you make a closer copy? And I know a lot of people are like, no, 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 there's a big difference. I'm like, no, 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 no. To me, just walking in there, I'm going to look side-by-side comparison. The only difference is the color. That's mm-hmm. all I really see. you know. And I know that they had mentioned a few other things about it that probably were pretty neat. But at the same time, I'm still kind of in that camp of, wow, 
could you copy it any closer <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's definitely an interesting um move and of you know clearly it was a good idea you know and, and right. uh, having a we've for years people have been trying to run circular saws up against straight edges to get a nice clean cut but it's never been as good as we would like it to be so now you got a situation where these saws run on tracks they plunge down they're so much more versatile than they ever were and it becomes like a portable panel saw and who the heck wouldn't want that if you're doing you know lots of plywood work so um great idea you know the bottom line is the more brands there are that are doing this the more companies that jump on board it means the technology is good and that it will force the the competition to be a little bit more fierce that means prices are going to go down and hopefully new ideas and it'll you know sort of force festival to come up with the next great idea you know clearly they're the innovator in that category so let's see what they can come up with next when there's someone breathing down uh you know breathing down their neck um right should be interesting to watch it all pan out Right. And, and I have to admit, I do like some of the safety things with it. I know myself, when I have done that with trying to clamp down a straight edge, I run into that problem all the time with my, my clamps are in the way, so then i got to do this, i got to balance it precariously on the edge, blah, 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 blah. And then um, mm-hmm. the, the whole thing, a riving knife in the back to you know keep the, the cut from binding on me. I love that idea. That's, a, that's one that's been, we've been needing something like that for a long time, although I could just throw a shim back there as I'm cutting, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's nice <laughs> it's, to it's, have it's, it. it. Uh, just a retractable uh, riving knife system like right. that is really good. Interestingly enough, from what I read, that the uh, the Dewalt one is actually spring loaded um, on the Festool. It goes down with the saw, and if if something's blocking it from going down, it it won't go. Uh, but the okay. uh, the Dewalt is spring loaded so that it actually doesn't completely go all the way down unless it has a path in which to do that, um, which is kind of interesting. I'm wondering what advantage that imparts. Maybe, maybe if you're plunging and you want to be like super duper accurate on where you're plunging, no, that doesn't make sense because the riving knife is going to follow the opening. I don't know. I'm talking about something I don't know enough information about, but it's spring loaded on a DeWalt. Yeah, maybe like when you're making curves or something, like you're going to bend the plywood. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah, still the other one would do. I don't know. Okay. I just don't know, Matt. Yeah, send your feedback in. <laughs> yeah, let us know, because someone else, I'm sure, does know. Uh, but yeah. either way, it'll be interesting to watch that that happen. And, um, you know, well, it, it, it's neat. It, it definitely was uh, all the buzz at the show, that's for sure. Um, well, it was definitely in the chat room, too. Oh, mm-hmm. it's <laughs> <laughs> It was actually kind of funny when I went up there. Um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't tell the story, but I got a kick out of it. I tweeted about it because it was hilarious. But we we went up there and wanted to film, uh, and it was like the last day of the show, so I'm sure all the guys who were there, um, you know, they're they're really there to highlight that tool, uh, weren't there. So this young dude was there, you know, seemed like a cool guy. He walked up to him and said, you know, do you mind if we uh, film you doing a, a quick demo of this of the uh, the track saw? And he had to go ask someone for, you know, permission and, and brought this uh, this nice girl over. And uh, she proceeded to ask me for my demographics information uh, on our show. And I'm like, you know, I didn't bring my media kit with me. You know, it's, it was like one of those, <laughs> those moments that completely caught me off guard. And I'm trying to remember uh, exactly what our numbers are. And I think it was just she may have been a little caught off guard. And having never heard of the Wood Whisperer, um, was just trying to figure out, making a split-second decision, should I let this person film it, and what is he going to do with the content once he has it? And I said, you know, this is not an opinion piece. This is I just want to show it on our show. I mean, if you don't want the exposure, you don't, you don't have to have it. Um, and fortunately, and it was just a stroke of luck, that the guy that was standing next to me 
happened to know who we were and was a fan of the show. And he just leaned, oh, no. yeah, and he leans in and he looks at the girl and he goes, "You should probably let them film. They've got a pretty big show." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, I mean, pretty big, and, and you know, on whose scale?" But um, right. either way, it was just it was really funny. I mean, obviously, it, it felt good, and she she laughed and said, "All right, it's fine." And I'm like, "Geez, thanks." I'm like, "You know what, dude?" And and I've had contact with him since then, and I was just like, "You're a lifesaver," because that was just one of the most stressful awkward moments i have ever had uh meanwhile you know i am sponsored by festools so they if they do know who i am perhaps they're a little bit uh, skeptical about having me film stuff in their booth but i'm you know i'm certainly capable of providing an objective opinion about something uh, but this was just to, sh- to promote it and show people a new tool i would have been so this sort of would have dropped the ball if I didn't get some footage of that thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great, man. Did you walk up there with a Festool shirt on? Maybe that's what really threw it oh, off. You know what? <laughs> on my off day, I did not. Uh, but my name oh. tag still said Festool on it. Um, okay. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think she even saw that. But, uh, you know, so and it, bottom line, it was great that that dude was there because that was pretty satisfying. <laughs> You know, I have the same problem when I go to a Woodcraft store and I go, do you know who I am? And they go, no. Nope. Right. Yeah, you're Never a customer. Mind, you're a customer. What are you buying and where is your credit card? Yeah, here's my American Express. Does that help now? Yeah, we're, we're just legends in our own minds. That's all. That's pretty much it, too. <laughs> so uh, other things at IWF that were awesome. Well, first of all, attendance was relatively low. Um, from what I understand, it was uh, significantly lower and a certain number, I think, I heard someone say something like 60 vendors uh, decided to eat the cost of the deposit and not show up. Really? Holy, I did not hear that. Oh, my God. That's what I heard. That's the rumor that I heard. Uh, So I was like, okay, that's pretty crazy. And I know uh, compared to day, like the day-to-day profile of how the show goes over the course of the four days, um, compared to how it was in Vegas, this actually was less intense. Um, especially on the days that I was working at the uh, the Festool booth, I was like, "Wow, this is this is like nothing compared to what we dealt with in Vegas." And Vegas is the smaller show. Oh wow, that's insane! That yeah, because I mean, they they really hyped up about how huge Atlanta was going to be. I mm-hmm. mean, that was just I mean, as soon as in fact, actually, as, as soon as Vegas ended last year, I received an email from a contact at uh, Highland Woodworking. He's like, well, "You know what? You didn't miss." much wait till atlanta atlanta could be huge and I'm same like, oh, thing that that's the same thing i heard yeah and i think it's just you know bad economy and all that garbage um, sure. so let's see what else did i see the the other thing that i was really uh stoked about in fact the only thing that i came home with was a uh a, a, well i didn't come home with it i ordered it uh a, a, from what is it bloom tool company that makes the uh wooden hand planes and little block planes uh with that very unique and different frog and blade design. Are you familiar with them at all? I, I saw I saw your video thing. In fact, I was I was watching it at work. I was supposed to be screening stuff, but mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, Mark." So I watched that instead. <laughs> you were screening and videos. Was, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. You know, I had I had, I had the button ready to go in case the boss walked in. <laughs> but I was watching that. I was blown away. That is a really neat system. In fact, I was I was really teetering on the idea of ordering one myself because I, I love that innovative system. That's really really neat. Yeah, yeah, I was very intrigued. I, I love the fact that this uh, uh, Gary Bloom, you know, the owner, is just standing there showing off his tools in a sea of giant power tools. Is this guy showing off his his workbench and his uh, 
uh, his his plane system, you know, was was really fantastic. So I'm like, first of all, I just got to support this guy, and second of all, I want one of those. Uh, so right. so I ordered one on the spot. hasn't come yet, uh, but I will certainly let people know what I think of it when I get it. Uh, but I'm pretty excited about it. It was very very cool. Yeah, I definitely look at. That's almost like having John Economaki with his, you know, uh, the the Wood Pro, and mm-hmm. you know. Having that right next to, like, you know, the Capex. You can get one of those or you can get one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? That, that regretfully, is the one, uh, obviously, with our schedule at the show, I, I don't I don't get around to everywhere that I want to get around to. Uh, but I, I didn't get over there. I was really disappointed. I wanted to go see Bridge City and, and check out, what is it? The Is it the Joint Maker Pro? Is that the name of that That's little? That's it. That's the uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I didn't yeah. get a chance to get over there. I was so disappointed. But that's uh- life. Yeah, well, you know, I had a chance to play with it in Chicago when I was at a tool demo for Lee Nielsen, and that was like one of those, oh, this is really nice. Uh, how can I get this out of here? You know, but I don't know if I'm going to get one. I'm still not ready to put the money out for it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's an interesting, another thing we could probably uh, debate about for another 15 minutes if we wanted to. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, you had on here on the list, you're talking about general. Now, you had the chance to see that adjustable bandsaw, right? The, yep. the one that adjusts from 93 and a half. What did you think about that? At first, I was just like, well, this is awesome. Just because it's it's very cool. Uh, installing riser blocks sucks. And if you ever decide that you don't need that extra capacity so that you can go with smaller blades and perhaps have a slightly more stable running blade, uh, you know, switching it back to a regular uh, system is a real pain in the butt. So I thought the adjustability was really, really cool. And then I thought about what it would be like to have that in my shop, and I realized that that would be totally useless to me. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, you either, usually you just, you know the bandsaw blade size, you buy the blades you need, you stock up on them, or you have a couple extra, whatever. Um, changing the blade height, especially if it's a well-built saw, isn't going to do much for you. You need all the capacity when you need it, and when you don't need it, you lower the guard. And if it's a well-built saw mm-hmm. that runs true... Just because you're not using that extra capacity shouldn't mean you're going to get a less quality cut than you might otherwise get. That's why the blade guard and the guide's lower. So right. I, 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 I retracted my my thoughts on it and said, you know what? I was wrong. That's really not that cool. I mean, it's it's neat that someone thought of something different, and I give them, certainly give them points for that. But at least in my shop, I just can't think of a darn thing that I would do with that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in the market for, I want to think I'm in the market for a new, like, 14-inch bandsaw blade. Cause it's about the size that would fit perfect in my shop. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what? I, that The idea is really, really neat. But then there's that part of me that's like, but I think if I did anything, I'd probably just go with one where I could get just the, the riser block if I really needed to do it. Because I don't know how often I'm going to be doing resawing of material that that, that big. So, yeah. you know, that's... It'd be neat to have that ability, but I don't know if it's something I want right now. I'll well, let somebody else get it. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me tell you what. The, uh, the Jet one, I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming out soon. Um, I, we got a little demo of that from uh, Chris over there at Jet, and it was very impressive. Their new 14-inch bandsaw um, has really good capacity, uh, very powerful, and instead of the, the – and I hate the design – of those uh, shaft with the spring ball um, guide system that you you raise and lower the guides uh, manually, mm-hmm. the 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 rack and pinion you know turn the handle whole deal that's really the way to go. And this new 14 inch has that instead of the the more traditional system. And okay. they had a little apparatus there to cut veneer, and he cut uh, a piece of hard maple veneer, um, you know, normal thickness that you would expect for for home saw and veneer. And no special blade, just a regular three-tooth per inch, whatever off-the-shelf blade. 
uh, and it was about 13 inches in width and this thing cut it no problem clean and smooth all the way across i was like that that is good that's really good for a 14 inch saw like that so if that's out i would definitely consider that if you if you're in the market yeah i'm gonna take a, write that one down take a look at it then sweet definitely yeah, yeah. cool all right. All right. That that pretty much uh, finishes off most of the stuff I wanted to talk about for IWF. So, you know, one of my favorite things was when Nicole was walking around with the uh, the laptop and saying <laughs> hi to like the folks over at work and stuff. My still my favorite moment has to be when she was across from Norm Abram and our Canadian friend came up and said, "Hey, who's that guy that they're talking to?" Eh? And she's <laughs> like, "It's Norm Abram." Who? <laughs> and the, let me tell you the comments that flew in the chat room i think there was a couple people that were from canada that were listening and they're like he is not one of our citizens <laughs> wow that's funny well i guess that that kind of makes sense right i mean uh yeah. if they don't, yeah, they don't get have them, PBS. yeah if they don't have pbs and they don't get him on tv they just might have never had exposure to his nor- his normness Yes, it was. It was definitely. It was one of the most interesting. In fact, I I was dying laughing for like a good ten, fifteen minutes after that. I still couldn't believe it. But That's still, awesome. I guess it makes sense. That's very very funny. Um, so we, I guess we're we're running a little long here. Um, do you want to jump into the spoke shave thing? Because I'll tell you, I've been doing some work lately where I'm like, you know what, a spoke shave would have been a lot easier, but I just don't have a decent quality spoke shave. So I need to learn a little more about them, and hopefully you can you can help me out with that. Well, yeah, we can give it a shot. I don't know how much I'm going to help you out because I'm still learning myself, but I definitely I want to get a little bit more into these because really there's there, there's two different basic styles. And right now, this whole thing with Madison's bedside table that I'm working on, I, I want to use it because I've been using my rasp and everything, and it leaves a nice you know surface. But at the same time, I've got to come back and touch it up and everything else. And there's just something about being able to kind of clean up a lot of this with the with the spoke shape. So we either have like the old-fashioned low-angle spoke shave, which works really great, but one problem with it is if you're not holding it just the right way and getting the angle on it, these babies will dive deep into your into your project mm, yeah. and just chunks. So I'm, right now I'm using a Veritas uh, low-angle spoke shave, and the nice thing about it has this really neat fence on it that essentially it doesn't eliminate that, but it can really help you to dial it in so it kind of keeps it in check. The other version, of course, is the standard uh, spoke shave, which I think the blade's like at like 45 degrees, basically. Okay. And you can dial these in. The Most of them now have the, uh, the depth adjuster on it, and then it comes in either the round bottom, which is great for when you're working with really tight curves. You can get in there and clean those up really, really nice, or the, uh, the flat bottom. Now, for the majority of us, that, that flat, flat bottom works really, really great. You know, as long as you don't have a tight curve, kind of have just a simple flowing concave or even convex to some degree. depends on how much it's flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use those on there. And again, you can dial them in and get really great results. So I think what's going to happen is one thing I wanted to mention is that I'm definitely going to be playing with more of these as, as it kind of goes on. I'm trying to find more information where I can really... The more I look out there, there's not a lot of information out there about about spoke shapes. You know, there's right. it's really kind of almost a tight lip thing. It's either you use one or you don't. And I don't see a lot of classes or anything else on it. So we're gonna play with it a little bit. But um, you know what? You can really it is a, it's a great tool for cleaning up you know edges that normally you know you you probably would your sanding or you know use your rasp or files. I think a lot of us would probably go to the sanding because it's just. It's really easy to kind of make like a contoured sanding block to get in there and just sand away. Sure, yeah. But 
Yeah, but if you don't want to eat all that sawdust, you know, these spoke shades, you can really, you know, clean up an edge really, really quick. And on top of it, you can also use it on just standard flat, you know, material and just like clean up an edge and everything. You're just going to, you know, play with it a little bit and you can get some great results from it. Cool. Um, just make sure you got it tightened down. Otherwise, you get a nice little nick in your thumb like I have right now. <laughs> Which is no fun for anybody. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that was just a little blurp thingy. Maybe I think as we'll go on, we'll, we'll talk about Matt's uh, uh, lessons in yeah, uh, yeah. spoke shape. Well, you know what? But, we can uh, we can try to go in more depth later because I think as, as a lot of us are really, like I say, we... Uh, as hobbyists, a lot of times we come in from the wrong direction. We come in with power tools on the brain and then backtrack and learn how to use the hand tools. And that's just the reality. So a lot of us are going through that transition, uh, trying to become more advanced woodworkers, but actually going back to the more basic tools to do that. Uh, so I think it would be a great service for us to provide and, and try to get some information on some of these tools, especially the ones like if you haven't found much information out there as a web savvy person, um, chances are no one else can find any decent information. So let's create it. Right. That works for me. Yeah. So it's, it's time to definitely break it out and play with it. And that's what I'm doing. My family's getting tired of it. So you're going to start bleeding again. I'm not bleeding again. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bandaid on. Just wear like, wear just giant work gloves or something so you can protect your hands. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man. Hey, you know, and, and wrapping things up, speaking of safety, I've got a great story. I didn't, I didn't have this on there and I'm trying to hurry this up so that we don't go too long. But, uh, I had an incident with, um, remember a long time ago, I replaced the motor on my table saw mm-hmm. and I put them powerful line. Well, I decided that the old motor that I took off, that would probably work best on my bandsaw because the bandsaw only has a one-third horsepower motor and I could pop on this you know, like half horsepower and really get some more power out of it. Okay. Um, have you ever looked at the RPMs that are on motors or paid attention <laughs> to them? <laughs> uh, I don't switch motors around very often, so I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if it ever comes up, and this is for anybody that's out there, apparently the RPMs can make a difference. <laughs> and uh, Who'd have thunk that? that? What? Yeah, I know. Which, uh, voltage, whatever. Well, and also, this is one of those don't work late at night things, too, because uh, my family had gone away for the weekend. I was home by myself, had tons of shop time. So it was like Saturday night, like somewhere around midnight. Been playing all day. I swapped out the motors, turned on the motor. I'm like, yeah, listen to that power. Yeah, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> and I stepped away just in time as the blade flew off the wheels, and you just hear that horrible grinding sound. So I quickly I pulled the plug, turned the whole thing off, and that's when I noticed the original motor was like 1740 rpms and the new one was like 300 3400 and some odd rpms it was it spun so hard it literally lifted the the polyurethane tires off the wheels and just blew the whole thing apart so wow yeah so nice (laughs) nice job good uh good example you're setting thank you thank you i should have caught that one on film because you would have heard me scream like a little girl i was (laughs) scared the hell out of me (laughs) that is just terrific uh hey you know what i wanted to mention before we go that we are not getting any voicemails and i think part of that is because we haven't put out any shows so uh that's why we don't have any here waiting for us so if you have any questions and really comments you know at this point just add to the conversation is very cool for us and as you know we play them at the end of the show or if it's something we have to address we'll play them in the middle of the show uh but definitely give us a call and if um you know what we're gonna we're gonna let one of tom's tips um tom from tom's workbench uh, dot com have him take us out uh but before we do that you want to give us the the contact information let them know how they can get in touch with us send us a question uh send us some um free stuff free feedback some yeah. feedback. Oh, free stuff 
Free, free stuff contact us if you want to send free stuff I'll give you my address willingly so <laughs> the email to send us at is woodtalkonline at gmail.com and you can pick up the phone and leave us a voicemail we love voicemails we love hearing from everybody 623-242-2450 sweet fan freaking tastic alright uh, let's uh, let Tom's soothing melody of his voice take us out and uh, we will see you guys very soon definitely take care everybody adios Hello everyone, it's Tom Iovino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's tips. Have you ever walked into your shop after a couple of intensive woodworking sessions and found it, well, in a state of chaos? Clamps, tools, and other chunks of woodworking stuff piled on benches and a real mess. Instead of dreading the inevitable hours long cleanup, try my patented five-a-visit plan. Basically, every time you go into the shop, make it a point to put five things away. This way, the tidying process is broken into manageable segments, not an energy-sapping marathon cleaning session. Of course, if you routinely keep your bench so clean a surgeon can operate on it, remember my motto, a clean bench is the sign of a sick mind. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit any of the other great blogs that belong to the Wood Whisperer Network at twwnetwork.com. Dot com.